Let me open us with a word of prayer, and then I'll talk a little bit about today. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the salvation we have in Jesus Christ. I thank you, Lord, for the reminder from your word this morning in the service that there is the difference between true salvation, true faith, and that which isn't true. That I pray, Lord, for everyone here that they have experience genuine faith, Lord, that at the great judgment they won't be standing there to be condemned, but they'll be with you for all eternity. So I just pray that your word will penetrate hearts, Lord, even as the, the people left the service and more people are going to hear the message now, I pray that you would save some who would listen and take it to heart that there is something different about following Jesus. There is a true cost of discipleship. And Lord, as we talk this morning uh, about topics that are not unrelated. I pray that you give us ears to hear. Lord, help me clearly articulate what's on my heart. And I pray that as we um, are your children, as we continue to have life and breath, that you'll give us discerning hearts. Lord, the errors around us are compounding and they're growing. And I don't see any evidence in scriptures that this is going to stop as we get closer to the Lord's return. And so I pray that you would protect us. Lord, even in the scriptures, there were some who were following and then they stepped away. Help that not happen to any of us. And I pray, Lord, that as we are grounded in the truth and as we're reminded of the truth, that you will use it in us to be able to guard others and protect others and to come alongside one another to protect us from error. And we ask all these things, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, my original plan today was to be in Second Peter again. And um, every once in a while, well, it's actually more than once in a while, I have weeks in ministry that are just something else. And um, this was one of those weeks. Now, that's not a bad thing. It just meant that everything that I planned for the week and what actually happened in the week, they didn't really line up very much. The only thing that went according to plan was the first two softball games happened on Thursday and Friday, and I was there. Just about everything else in the week didn't go according to plan. But I had in my heart that I was going to teach today, and what has been permeating my thinking is, of course, what we've been covering in Second Peter, which is Christians believing lies. Christians being sucked in by false teachers. Everything that Steve was talking about is the reality, not all those people who have a wrong gospel even realize they're false teachers. But if you water down what the Bible says about salvation, then it's a false gospel. Whether it's a nice church and a good church, if you're not preaching the truth about how someone is right with God, then you're teaching error. Except the vast majority, I think, of churches in America that teach error don't even identify it as error. Because they're saying parts of the truth. They're saying some things that are true. And I worry more and more about what's happening in Christianity in America. Now, this is nothing new. There was a sense that I was thinking about this because I, I knew what I was going to teach on. Because it's one of the first things, in fact... The first time I ever preached in an English-speaking church, I taught on the text that I'm talking on. But in the context of things, it always comes back to people in America, 
Christians in America, what we call American Christianity, seems to be filled with unbelievers who don't know they're unbelievers. That, that was my testimony until I was 26. I was an unbeliever who, was a, who called myself a Christian. But as I go through things, I go back to my earliest teaching and I was talking about this. It was on my heart then. And that was, I don't even know when that was, 2003, 2004? And it's continued. There's a sense in which I feel like even though I teach on different things, I wind up saying the same thing over and over again. Now part of that is because the Word of God repeats itself. The warnings of God are over and over, but I have to take comfort in the fact that even if I say things over and over again, I'm doing what the Apostle Peter did, 2 Peter 1, 12 and 13. Therefore, I will always be ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them and have been established in the truth which is present with you. I consider it right as long as I am in this earthly dwelling to stir you up by way of reminder. And so... Even though in one sense I wish I had something new to say, in the other sense the scriptures don't change, so I'm going to keep saying the things that you've already heard me say. And the reason I'm going to say it is because we need to hear the truth. We need to be reminded of these things. Again, there's a false gospel, there's a false sense of security that permeates America. I've shared this before, and maybe you remember it, maybe you don't. I grew up going to church. Guy even witnessed me on an airplane when I was flying to California when I was a teenager and I prayed a prayer. And then I lived my life absolutely apart from any sense of morality or anything. I had no fear of God at all. The only thing that I was embarrassed by was when my mom occasionally from Perry would find out some of the things I did in Tallahassee. Praise the Lord that she'll go to heaven not knowing most of the things I did in Tallahassee. I don't want to kill my mom. But she found out enough. But I didn't fear God. I just feared, I don't want my mom to be hurt. My dad had already died. I don't want to hurt her. I lived with the complete absence of any sense of conviction at all. And yet I played on a Christian flag football team and I'd hold hands and pray. I knew I was a Christian. Why? Because I prayed a prayer one time after this guy talked to me on an airplane. And yet I lived in absolute rebellion to God and had no conviction about it. When Debbie and I started, we, we were dating in high school, split up in college, and then I was in California. She was living in St. Pete. Uh, she had graduated from the University of Florida. We started connecting. I still identified myself as a Christian. It was only after we'd been married, into our second year of marriage, that I, that I heard something along the lines of what God thinks about sin and the holiness of God. And I'll never forget... The, the feeling of abject terror I had in that moment when I realized, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. If, if, we, if I don't make it home, and we didn't have any kids yet, this was back in 1993, I knew in my heart, I didn't articulate all of this to Debbie in time, it was an altar call, which we don't do at Lakeside, but it was during the altar call that I fell under conviction, and I wouldn't walk an aisle and embarrass myself, but I was crying out to God. But it was just that that reality of like, uh-oh, I'm going to hell. Now, it was amazing to me, and I started thinking through these things. It's like, well, I was in church every Sunday my whole life until I went to college. That was a part of our family's life. My mom and dad were faithful. By the time I got to high school, almost every other kid had been allowed to stop, but it didn't pass in my family. 
Church was a part of what we did. And I was around Christians in college. And I was thinking, I was around churches all these many years. How come I never heard this? How did I never hear the truth? In fact, the reason I initially felt called to ministry was I thought, wait a minute. I bet there's a lot of Americans like me that have always been in church, that they've always heard things, but they're going to hell and they don't know it. A, a particular passage of scripture flipped in my head. It never made sense to me, Jesus talking about the broad way and the narrow way. Why did it never make sense to me? Because everybody I knew was a Christian. What do you mean narrow way? Everybody in Perry. I don't really know what that Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints are about. The Catholics are a little bit different, but everybody's a Christian. There's occasionally you bump into Jehovah's Witness, but I didn't know the difference between a Jehovah's Witness and a Baptist or anything else. So I used to think, well, everybody's saved because everybody's a Christian. Then as I was genuinely converted and I began to see the Scriptures and what the Scriptures say about salvation, I started changing my view and I realized, oh my goodness, the Broadway is full of Christians that aren't saved. The, the Broadway is full of religious people like the Pharisees that don't have any sense of repentance and faith. So as a young lawyer, it occurred to me that somebody ought to tell people this. How come more people aren't saying this? And that was the beginning of my call to ministry was that I think Americans are in trouble. So, so as part of my calling, the issue was people who are in churches who are deceived. Because that was me. I don't want that to happen to people. I want people to know the truth. But what I have seen since I came to faith, and as we moved from a church in San Diego to a church in Fresno to Grace Community Church to Lakeside, is that the problem isn't getting better, it's getting worse. And if anything, you would think, wow, the internet solved all the problems. When I was in California, if you some of you have lived in California, there's always traffic. So I had an hour commute most days. Debbie was in sales. She drove all day, every day. So you learn to rely on the radio. What's the radio pastor that's preaching? This is before the internet. And you drive from town to town, you lose one signal and you find another and you're constantly doing it. All those problems have gone away with the internet. I can listen to everybody all the time, 24-7. Never interrupting the signal. All the issues, though, are that the actual truth is drowned out by the noise of false teachers. It clearly is a time of intense spiritual warfare. And what I see, and it's consistent with what the Scripture says about the last days, is that we're not getting better with more access to information. We're getting worse. Because the true church is getting buried in error. Years ago, I found a survey at Legionnaire Ministry. I wish I'd have copied the link and I'd give it to you because it's very fascinating. And Legionnaire Ministries, every two years, does this basically a, a state of belief. What do people believe? And they ask questions of unbelievers, but then they ask questions of evangelicals. And just so we understand the terminology, evangelicals theoretically are the camp that we would fit in. Not Catholics, not Mormons, not anything like that. Evangelicals, theoretically, people who believe in being born again, 
people who believe that salvation is in Jesus Christ, people that believe that the Bible is the Word of God. Again, I realize if I asked a group of Catholics or a group of unbelievers or a group of Jewish people or others, I wouldn't expect certain answers. But amongst people that identify as evangelicals, you'd expect some basic knowledge of things. So Ligonier does this issue. So I'm going to ask you a question. And if you have the wrong answer, I'm going to pretend like I didn't see it. But, but here's the first question. And the questions are yes or no. Okay. And I'll give you a hint. The answer to the first question is no. But I'm going to ask you what the answer is. Here's the question they ask. And they ask evangelicals. Everyone is born innocent in the eyes of God. Okay. We know that. It's not true. Scriptures say this in Psalm 51, 5. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. That doesn't mean she was engaging in sin to procreate. It means he understood from birth. Romans 5, 12. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sin. In other words, it's inherited from the original sin of Adam. It's clear in Scripture. Romans 3, 10. As it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. There's none who understands. On and on it goes. The scripture is very clear. Yet, to that question, everyone is born innocent in the eyes of God. 56% of the evangelicals said, yes, that's true. They destroyed original sin, which is, it's shocking, but 56%, again, that's not the outside crowd, that's the people around us. Here's another question. And I'm going to give you a hint. The answer is no. Here's the question, though. I want you to answer. God accepts the worship of all religions, including Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. It's no. Of course not. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the... And the... And the... How many people come to the Father but through Him? No one. It, it could not be more clear. Once again, oh, I got my numbers wrong. The first question, everyone is born innocent. Now 65% of evangelicals believe that that's true. That there's no such thing as original sin. But for this one, 56% of evangelicals say, yeah, yeah, God accepts all worship. How likely are you to share the gospel with a Jewish person or somebody who's Muslim, or somebody from another faith, if you think, hey, God will, God will work it out. They're okay. This last one, because it should not even, I'm not even going to give you a hint on this one. The, the question is this, yes or no? Jesus was a great teacher, but he is not God. Of course he's not. Jesus is God. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It, it can't be more clear, and yet 43% of people who identified themselves as evangelical said, yeah, that's true, Jesus is a God. So again, and I first read this survey, I first found out about it in 2018, the numbers have gotten worse. In other words, I can look at the 2018 numbers and people aren't getting better. The evangelical church is getting worse. That's why what Steve was talking about was so relevant because people are blindly going along. So
So the reason I say all this is to exhort and encourage you to not let down your guard. False teaching is increasing. It's coming at you from everywhere. And what I'm going to talk about in just a few moments is just, it's a supplement to 2 Peter. Is found in Colossians chapter 2. You can turn in Colossians chapter 2. And I'm just going to look at a couple of verses, 6 through 8. The first time I taught this, I taught it to college students at Grace Community Church. Still, it's the biggest group I've ever preached to. The college ministry there, when we were in it, was between seven and 800 kids, um, which dwarfs Lakeside, and that was just the college ministry. But I knew the college students, many of whom went to secular colleges, probably the majority of whom went to secular colleges, were in danger of this. I'm just going to read this. And again, this is a supplement to everything we're talking about. And when we get back into the false teachers next week, this is really all the same issue. It's all the same priority. So the Apostle Paul was writing to a little church that he had not visited that was doing well. But he knew that even in a church that's doing well, you could insert the name Lakeside, there was still a risk. Because false teachers are relentless and truth is a threat to Satan and his work. And so he'll consistently send things to undermine the truth. Paul said this in Colossians chapter 2. Therefore, as you have received Jesus as Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now built, being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. And verse 8 is the heart of it. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. So as I'm listening to Pastor Steve, and as I'm thinking through the false teachers that we've been warned about, that I just preached about again from Second Peter, as I think about all of these characteristics, and then I look at the broader evangelical life in America, I realize this is critical. Particularly for people at a church that know better. Now it's interesting, I was standing up, and most Sundays when you stand up after the service with Pastor Steve, nobody comes up. Today was different. So a woman came up and she brought a friend and I'm sensing the friend was probably an unbeliever but I talked to them for a little bit. And then a young man asked me a, a theological question about annihilationism and, and he commented, I had not met him before and he was a nice young man and I told him our views. Annihilationism, annihilationism is just a belief that people don't really go to hell for all eternity. They're extinguished. They're gone. That's not what the scriptures teach. And I've made clear to him that's not what we teach. Jesus didn't teach that. And, and he, thankfully, he didn't want to believe it. He wanted encouragement that he was right that that was a wrong belief. But he commented on the fact of the number of good teachers we have at Lakeside. He commented on the fact that this is a little church with all these really good teachers. Because on three Sundays he had seen three different people preach. God has blessed this church, which means you're going to be inundated with the truth, but you have a responsibility, and if you follow this responsibility, it's going to help you not be deceived. And so I'm just going to say it this way, for all of us, 
It's a safeguard against spiritual deception. And the first point is simply this. Obey the truths that you've been taught. Obey the truths you've been taught. The great danger of a church like Lakeside is that we hear and hear and hear, and then we go about our business. I pray that most of you don't do that. I pray that you, you take what you hear seriously and you try and live it out. But spectator Christianity is the norm, not the exception. It's interesting how the Bible 2,000 years ago pinpointed things. But the Apostle James in chapter 1 says, But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. And in the Greek, that word hearers was basically like somebody who would go to a concert. In other words, they just like to hear people talk. Paul in Acts chapter 17, they, they just want to hear something. Somebody like Steve, who's orderly and clear, is teaching the truth, but if you don't obey it, it's not doing anything. It just becomes a spectator sport. Paul says, therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. In other words... If we want to be different than the majority of evangelicals in America, if we want to make a difference for the kingdom, if we want people to see the truths of the gospel, we've got to walk in these truths. We've got to obey. His words in verse 7, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and establishing your faith, I think that describes a church like Lakeside. When Steve, somebody, the, the cop that was here this morning, his name was, his name was Nat. He'd never been to Lakeside as, as the officer. If you know, we contract for the city of Clearwater, and they put out a roster, and they bid for it. So Nat is there, and he's here early, and I'm talking to him. And he said, I haven't been here in years. This all looks different. I'm like, oh, you know. He said, I actually went to school at Lakeside Christian. He said, back in the 80s. And then he, he knew some of the people, and he said, is Pastor Kreloff still here? I said, yeah, over 40 years. That, that's unheard of. That doesn't happen. It is a privilege to hear from one of the best pastors that I've heard preach week after week after week after week. But if we don't take those things we've learned and apply them, we've not accomplished anything. I've shared this with you before, but I've gone through and I've named names and I've mentioned false teachers before and I've had people at Lakeside in essence tell me, I don't care. I had an argument years ago and this person doesn't attend Lakeside, so I'm not at risk of offending them. They came every week and they would talk to me every week. And they would insist to me, despite what I was saying, that they got just as much from Joyce Meyer as they got from Pastor Steve. Joyce Meyer is a health and wealth false teacher. I warned someone else about Bible studies that we used to be okay with, but that we said don't use anymore. It was the views of Beth Moore, and Beth Moore's views have changed radically. And the person, in essence, told me, yeah, I know best. I'll just do what I do. Okay. That can't be. We've not just got to listen to these things, but we've got to act on these things if we want to be immune. I, I can tell you, at some point, Pastor Steve won't be teaching. At some point, we won't be the same people hearing the same things. We've got to apply these truths to protect ourselves, to protect one another. 
He says, just as you were instructed, that's what Sunday is at Lakeside. We do a lot of things, but we don't do anything as good as we do instructing. I've shared it many times. When I came here in 2007, Steve was on sabbatical. We moved here in June. I didn't start until July 1, so I'm just sitting in the pews for the first month. And I was listening to Bruce Mills teach, and I'm thinking, why is he a cop? He's really good. And then I start hearing these young guys, and it's like, wow, they're really good. And I'm seeing that Lakeside has teachers kind of like shark's teeth. If one pops out, another one pops up. And they're really good. So we are instructed, but we've got to walk in these truths. And when it comes to false teaching, we've got to take seriously that we should cover our ears and not listen. Don't dabble. Don't do your own investigation. It's not profitable for you. I've listened to so many things that I wish I never had heard. The only reason I do is because I'm a shepherd and I'm required to protect the sheep. Let the shepherds do that. Don't waste your time. Focus on Jesus and live in the truths. Don't just stockpile knowledge. The beginning of Colossians has a beautiful prayer. You ever want to pray for people? Read Colossians 1, 9 to 14. Just go there. You can pray for whoever you love. In fact, you can pray for whoever you hate. Because <laughs> it's a beautiful prayer. But one of the things... Since the day we heard of it, we haven't ceased, and I don't have my notes, for, so forgive the bad quote. We have not ceased to pray for you and ask that you'll be filled with the knowledge of His will according to all wisdom and knowledge. Um, the bottom line is, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please Him in all respects. That's everything in the Scriptures. Jesus said, you love me, you'll obey my commandments. That's just walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. That's what obedience is. So please, be very careful. Don't detach what you know on Sunday from how you live during the week. When you're evaluating issues, don't detach what you hear in church from your analysis of what's going on in the culture. The only way that society as a whole has embraced things like homosexuality and this gender perversion and everything else is because they detach. Let me back up. Unbelievers do it because unbelievers have hardened hearts. Christians accepting all these things is what I'm talking about. And churches accepting all these things. The only reason is because they detach what's in the Word of God from what they live and think. Don't let that happen to you. We need to remember that everything we hear should translate into how we live. And I'll just finish quickly with the second point. And I'm going to say it. I've already said it. I never will stop worrying about any of us being spiritually deceived. It's interesting. I'm reading through in my daily Bible reading. been reading through the Old Testament. I, I read the MacArthur Daily Bible. If you know that, it's Old Testament, New Testament. I'm in the middle of numbers. Parts of numbers are a chore. You know, how many rams and goats and this and washing the ashes and clean and unclean. But it's interesting. Aaron and Moses were the towering figures. Moses, of course, was a friend of God, talked face to face. The people were rebellious. Moses met with God and Aaron was the high priest. 
anointed through elaborate rituals, but he was the high priest. And I just read the account, and they're late in life. Aaron was older than Moses. They're late in life. They've been following the Lord for a while, but they're late in life. And there was an incident where they didn't do what God said. They knew better, but they didn't. And the consequences for them were stunning. God basically said, Aaron, you go up on the hill, give all your stuff to your son Eliezer, you're done. And Moses, you'll never see the promised land. <laughs> now, praise the Lord that we don't have anything removed from us permanently, but we've got to take seriously obedience. I've got to take seriously obedience. And to do that, we have to be very careful that we reject anything that is contrary to the Scriptures. Any teaching that contradicts the Scriptures, no matter how enticing or appealing, we have to reject it. Paul says it this way, See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception. And the idea there is you're minding your own business and you're free, and then an invading army grabs you and takes you away. We've got Christian brothers and sisters in Ukraine that understand that realistically. One day they were there, and next day the Russians have hauled them off. Read some articles this week about some of that. I was actually looking at pictures again of churches that I know of, that I preached at, that in all likelihood the entire towns are gone now because they're in the heart of where the war was. I was out there with friends of mine, and I think about those believers. I don't, I don't know what their life is. But Paul is not talking about a literal captivity. He's talking about the fact that you as a believer, you're minding your own business, and then somebody comes along and hooks you with falsity. He calls it philosophy and empty deception. It's not philosophy in the sense of how we think of it as a, a course in college, but rather this is worldly wisdom. Empty deception, there's nothing there. It's according to the tradition of men. This is not true teaching. According to the elementary principles of the world, it's another way of saying it ultimately finds its root in just the collective wisdom of sinful man. And we know from elsewhere in Scripture that it's really doctrines of demons that sinful men are fed. They're held in bondage by Satan to do his will, and one of the ways they do his will is by spouting error. So what happens is the false teacher in the church who gets a foothold and an opportunity to teach, espouses the doctrines of demons that come from the world, and he brings them into the church, and they're dressed up in Christian language, and you wind up with 65% of evangelicals who don't even understand we're born into sin. And 56% who thinks, hey, the Muslims are fine, don't worry about them. They're worshiping the same God. It's all that matters. But this idea that we can be taken captive has the, has the mindset that we've listened to it. We listen and it starts appealing, appealing to us. It starts tickling our ears. I can tell you, and, I, and I'm sure, and I, I don't want to tell you straight, I want to tell you with compassion, there are doctrines of Scripture. And when I say this, I don't mean it heretically, but I wish there was some other way. The young man that was talking to me about annihilationism, that has a certain appeal. To think of my family members that are unsafe, suffering for all eternity, that's heartbreaking. That's crushing. 
I always go back to the account that Jesus told of the rich man and Lazarus, and the rich man, even now, before the great judgment, is already in agony. And he's saying, just let me have a drop of water. Go tell my brothers. Those are hard things to think about. And yet they're true. We don't have the ability or freedom to just say, you know what, that hurts my heart, so I'm going to change things. I realize if it hurts my heart, it's because my heart's not conformed to the image of Christ. i got work to do in my heart. The issue isn't God and His Word. The issue is me. That I still have not come to the point where I've fully transformed my mind in conformity to the Scriptures. There's a reason in the last days that churches will gather themselves Teachers that don't teach sound doctrine. Sound doctrine is hard. I remember witnessing to my best friend who's Jewish. And this was years ago. And he still doesn't believe. But years ago, I was witnessing to him. And he he finally just stopped. And he was very angry. One of the rare times he's been angry. As an unbeliever, he's a nice guy. Works hard. Does everything by the rules. But he was angry. And he said, you think I'm going to hell. Those are hard conversations to have with people you love. But I told him, what I think doesn't matter. I'm just telling you what the Word of God says. I wasn't a pastor then. Here's the point. It's easy for us to want to soften the hard edges of the reality of what God says is the consequence of sin. The wages of sin isn't time out. The wages of sin is a probation. The wages of sin is death. So we've got to be careful as we come here Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, as we listen Sunday after Sunday to guard ourselves. Even in this state, at the end of their lives, Aaron and Moses, who had heard direct words from God, listened to their own thinking. They didn't listen to God. Don't let that be us. So let me encourage you, as I do every week, thank the Lord for Lakeside. Thank the Lord for the teaching we have. Thank the Lord for Pastor Steve. But actually put the teaching into practice and protect yourself, guard yourself. Somebody asked me this week, because they were asking me about the message that I taught. They said, can you give me a list of false teachers? Well, I'm 50, 57? 50, 57, no. Yes, 57. I'm 57. I won't live that long. Um, to write out a list. But let me encourage you. If you have any question, ask me. I'll be happy to talk with you. I'll be happy to tell you who is and who isn't. Not everybody who teaches something that's wrong is a false teacher, but be careful and listen carefully. Even good teachers can go bad. So, let me close this in prayer, and I look forward to seeing you guys next week. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, I realize more than anybody, I need to listen and obey. Lord, I need to not ignore anything in your word. I need to apply the truth. Now pray for my brothers and sisters, Lord, protect us. This is a dangerous time. There's spiritual warfare all around us in so many facets, in so many ways. And Lord, it's a 
Part of the spiritual warfare is a battle for our mind. Protect us, Lord. I thank you for the solid teaching we have in this church. I thank you for the repeated reminders of Scripture, of the whole counsel of God that's taught here. Lord, help us have ears to hear. Help us guard our hearts. No matter how long we've been walking with you or how short, Lord, help us to turn away from sin and turn away from error and to rest in the truth that is Jesus Christ. We ask all these things, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.